the Above the Rim episode 20. Brought to you by your host, Justin, aka Just Blaze. And my special guest this week is my girl Christine Alexis from Afterbus TV. Christine, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. You know I had to get you on. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we can't just keep going back and forth at each other on Twitter. We gotta make it official. Exactly. Gotta come on the podcast and talk about it. Talk about it. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. So, (laughs) I appreciate you coming through and being my first female guest. This is big time. Christine, pleasure's all mine. honored. Oh, you should be. It's about the rim. First female guest. Episode 20. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's great to be on. Let's do it. Of course, no problem. So you can find Above the Rim on iTunes, Stitcher, and Dash Radio every Tuesday. AlmightyBola.com slash Above the Rim. You can find me on Twitter at JustBlaze underscore 513. And Christine, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Christine Beans with three E's. And you can find me on Facebook. Three E's. Three E's. Yeah, you know, I got to talk to the girl who had two E's and one E and figure out if we could do a little swap because, you know, three E's is a little much. But I'm on there. Three E's. On Facebook, um, Christine Alexis. You can find me there. There we go. There we go. So, Christine, she's a big time Warriors fan. Out there in LA? Yeah. Ah, of course, and as we know, as a Warriors fan, you guys were a little happy this summer. You won the title, even if it was cheap or not, you still won the title. Whoa. Big shots out to the Warriors. You know, you gotta start it early. If you don't start it early, when do you start? <laughs> I gotta set up the dinner. So, before the series, Christine, how did you see the series going? Let me ask you your honest pick before the series. All right, my honest pick before the series, I had Golden State six, and I'm honestly six. very happy okay. that I was wrong. So you honestly thought it was six. I mean, that was a good pick. That was a pretty decent pick. I can't hate on you there. That was a pretty decent pick. I mean, you didn't go out on a limb. My man Jarv last week picked Golden State in five. But he was disrespectful. But he was right. No, I gotta gotta say that your boy Jarv has some really good points as a fellow Warriors fan. I respect (laughs) that. Um, You know, in my heart, I wanted to say Golden State in four, but I'm not that crazy. So... I went with the... Mm. Uh, oh, you wanted to say go to State in full. Listen, I believe my team could sweep anybody, and they, they proved that up until the finals. They dropped, you know, one game. But even still, they they had the capacity to beat anybody. So. Oh. oh, they definitely did. I mean, we know they had a juggernaut team. We know they had a quote-unquote super team with my man KD selling his soul going to the Warriors. But we're going to leave that alone. <laughs> we... <laughs> We gotta leave that alone. So as above the rim listeners know, I was wrong. I had the Cavs in six. I was going for my man LBJ. I was rooting for him, but he didn't come through. So that was a fan. So as we know, there was a parade recently. The Warriors, Draymond, LBJ, Petty All Summer 17. They, Did you see? They sure were. I mean, 
last year when the Cavs won, uh, LeBron did his own little trolling himself with his Ultimate Warrior oh, shirt. Did. So you know Draymond is the <laughs> other petty king. I don't see the pettiest of the pettiest. You know he had to come back with his little uh, quickie shirt, which I thought was cute. I mean, was that lame, though? Or are you feeling a quickie shirt or not? I mean, I don't know that I would have that shirt in particular, but I'm glad that he, you know, <laughs> sold his back that way. Because I'm, maybe I'm just a little slow. Like, at first, I was like, wait, why quickie? Because <laughs> like, it was a quick series? Boy, like, oh, yeah, Christine, there you go. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, I thought that was cool. I think it's really funny that they troll each other, honestly, because... Um, they seem to be cool in real life, at least from what I what I can see. But I, I think... Oh, yeah. Remember they did. Yeah. They are. They, they are. Now, you know, the other night I was watching their special. Uh, I was re-watching their special on ESPN uh, around the All-Star game. And they did that uh, barbershop special and with two chains yeah. and everything. And you could tell that they're, they're cool guys. They both have um, a, a lot of respect for each other and what they both bring to the game. Oh, you could definitely tell. Oh, yeah. You could definitely tell. They definitely have spoken numerous times on and off the court. You could tell they have a certain partnership or certain cachet about them. And their teams stay together. As you know, Draymond also as well, his podcast is actually under LeBron James' umbrella, which is the Uninterrupted. Yeah. So his podcast and... uh, Exactly. Exactly. So, so you know. But, I mean, honestly, though, still, honestly, that quickie shirt was kind of corny to me. I think it was a little lame. I think, I think it was a little lame. I mean, I get it. It was cute. It was cute and all that, but... Uh, what, what shirt would you have worn? Uh, or you just saw because your man's was? <laughs> I mean, I mean, hey, I was just riding for LBJ this year. I'm not the biggest LeBron James fan. I mean, I respect his professionalism, but everyone knows I'm a hated Warriors nemesis because I am a Clipper fan, so I can't give any... Give any love oh, man. to the Warriors. Man. But any love. I mean, they get love on court, on court performance. I'm a student of the game. I'm a basketball fan, so you gotta love how they play, of course. But as far as personality wise, I'm not too uh, fond of the Warriors, I should say. It's, but you know, I say that to say this. Not, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> not, I hear that a lot about the Warriors, that people are not a fan of their personality. And I think a lot of that honestly has to do with the media. Not saying that. I, I mean, I will acknowledge, as much as I love Draymond, he is like the biggest troll and can be so annoying. Players, you know, find him annoying. I'm not a ball player. I've never competed against him. But, like, I th- I personally think he's so good for the NBA right now. This guy gives you a really good soundbite every time. He is just oh, daddy so does. obnoxious. Daddy does. And, like, <laughs> I just, I, I find it funny. I think comedy, I think it's great. Um, and when you compare, like I said, when you compare him to LBJ, who we were just talking about, he can be petty as hell sometimes too. And people hate his personality. So it's, it's just funny. Like, I think that, you know, a lot of the hate is driven by the media, I guess, because the media gives them so much love and people are just not fine. Yeah, oh, that's definitely it. But that's, I- that's definitely it. I mean, the media is, honestly, if you look at the media right now, ESPN, Fox Sports, all the other outlets, they're looking at the Warriors. As a dynasty, well, before this year, I wouldn't have called them a dynasty, but this third year, they are, I must give them credit, they are in the makings of a dynasty. Two chips in three years is still an incredible feat, either way you slice it. So it's difficult to get back to the NBA Finals three years in a row. So I'll give them that, but my disdain from the Warriors came a little bit before this, of 
They're more of media darlings, as you would call them. Draymond <laughs> is, of course, the obvious soundbite. Steph is the number one media darling. Clean cut Steph, your boy. My boy. Your boy. <laughs> Just, you know, That's you know, Steph Curry fan, and I'm proud of it. Oh, big Steph Curry fan. Big time. <laughs> oh, we're going to get into Steph this episode. Don't worry. We got something coming for oh, Steph. Oh, boy. I, As I, you I'm know, I love, I, I love to debate Steph fans. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, Christine, let me ask you. So, do you think the Warriors celebrate a bit too much on the court during games? Remember this final Steph Curry at, uh, taking that, what was that, a dump? On the floor that he took on uh at the queue. Yeah. Did you see that? I did see that. I did. I did. Yeah. Um. So as a fan, do you think the Warriors celebrate too much on the floor? Because a lot of people don't like that they celebrate a lot during games. Excessive celebrating. Um. To be my my complete honest opinion is I really don't care mm. that they celebrate a lot because they're so damn good. Like they have a reason to celebrate. Like. This is a game. Thank you. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> like, for real. I feel like... I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a game at the end of the day. And, you know, a lot of it, like you said, goes back to the media. I think they're the ones replaying that little clip of Seth shimmying or of Draymond screaming in someone's face or of Iggy Town. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, they shove it in your face so it does look like it's a lot. But at the end of the day... A lot of people celebrate on other teams, and I don't see why we have to pick on the Warriors about it. How many times has LBJ stared, <laughs> stared you down in your face and screamed at you? You know what, what I mean? You, but that was that was off of, but that's LBJ though. Come on, I mean, I mean, hey, listen, listen. Honestly, honestly, it doesn't matter. To be honest, the media, <laughs> I mean, the media is getting soft. NBA is getting soft, as we know. Yeah. The man want to celebrate? Let him celebrate. Let's, listen, if you getting beat by twenty. They deserve to celebrate. I completely agree. Let them celebrate. They're, they're still guys who, at the end of the day, fans of the game and are living their best lives right now. In your 20s, you know, competing for a chip. Like, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't take every moment to celebrate where you are and enjoying the moment. Like, let them live. I think that's just another, like, media talking point. You know, it's a 24-hour news cycle. You got to keep things going. But really, it's not enough to be paying attention to. <laughs> it's definitely not it's definitely not I feel you I couldn't have said that any better so Christine so since the Warriors won in the finals KD as we all know won finals MVP they're getting a little bit disrespectful talk around the NBA now there's a all of a sudden there's a bit of a switch on who's the number one and number two best player in the NBA of course it used to be LeBron James but some are now saying that KD is the best player in the NBA. Agree or disagree, Christine? Oh, I'm gonna... Uh, I'm gonna say... Be honest. All right, listen. I'm gonna be honest. Here's my honesty. <laughs> I think Katie okay. is the best player right now. Is he the best player, like, ever? No. I think he has a lot of... No, right now. The best player in the NBA right now. Has, right has now? he superseded yeah. LeBron James in the best as a... Whoa, right now? So Why? <laughs> well, first of all, let's give that man some respect. KD top the finals MVP this year, had a hell of a season and a hell of a postseason, which is why I give it to him right now. And, you know, history is the story of winners. And right now, KD won. He beat LeBron. And I think that... This year? This year? This year, you're right. 
You're right. Okay. You're right about that. But I think, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I guess for me, the, the argument kind of bleeds into whether KD is the run overall. I, I think right now, KD is definitely the best. He dominates both ends of the floor, just like LeBron does. I'm giving them both credit. But I, okay, I was I was getting ready to say. Don't get disrespectful I now. <laughs> I know you just. Listen, I'm just waiting for you. I'm waiting for you right now. <laughs> All right, well, I'll say it short. KD dominates both ends of the floor. He has such an X, okay. X factor. I think he was obviously the edge that put the Warriors over this year. I think of he's a, of just no doubt about it. Prolific scorer. I think he plays with so much heart and hunger and tenacity. And he doesn't give up. I, I, I respect his game a lot. Okay. Okay. You made a decent argument there, but let's, but still. Boy, you better stop it, Christine. You know LBJ is still the best player in the NBA. No one impacts the game on both, off, both ends of the floor as much as LeBron James. In the finals, of course, you know, he averaged a triple-double, 33, 12, and 10. Yeah. 56% shooting. KD, not too shabby as well. He did average 35, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and he came up in big moments. That's where I feel like, that's where I feel like KD excelled in LeBron James in this finals. He's still not the better player, but he, he performed better in late-game moments. So I give KD the nod there, but still, all in all, LBJ is still the best player in the game. But KD, I've always said, is the second best player in the game. He's better offensively. He's a better offensive player than LeBron James, but top to bottom, one to 10, all facets of the game, impacting the game on both ends, I still gotta give it to LeBron. I can't, so I can't disrespect that man. So I gotta ask you a question that I thought of myself is if KD, if Golden State needs him, or does he need Golden State? And I think that's an interesting question. Christine, you want to tackle this first on me? I'll let you go first on this one. Okay, okay. I say neither. I don't think he needs Golden State, and I don't think Golden State needs him. And that's my issue with his decision this season. This offseason, excuse me, I've gone to the Warriors. A 73-9 win team didn't need Kevin Durant. Think about it. If they didn't have Kevin Durant this, se this season... They probably still made it to the finals. Their best competition might have been those Oklahoma City Thunder if he stayed, or the San Antonio Spurs, but you never know of what injuries, what what may have happened. But still, you replace him, of course, in the upgrade from Harrison Barnes, of course. But KD is the second best player in the world, as I called him before. And I think when you're the second best player in the world, you should want to have the team on your back. As, as far as what he did in Oklahoma City. Him and Wessel Westbrook, of course, had a differing partnership. It was They were at odds towards the end of the game. Russell Westbrook took a lot of ill-advised decisions. But still, I still wasn't happy with his decision to Golden State, but I can't fault him for being happy. So I'll give him that there. But I don't feel like he needs Golden State in order to win. I still feel like he could get to the promised land without them. And I didn't feel like they needed him as well. But with them together, that's a superstar team. You're right about that. What do you think, Christine? Uh, I think you made some really good points, Jeff, for sure. I mean, KD is the second best, according to you, the second best player of the world. And <laughs> he, he's been so much. He, he's such a superstar in his own right, and his career speaks, speaks to that. But at the same time, I don't think the Warriors need KD. 
And I think okay. I think that KD needed the Warriors. I, I think KD needed the Warriors, honestly, because oh, mentally. Are you talking mentally? Mentally, no. But I think mm-hmm. in order to achieve his goals, he needed them because. As great okay. as he is, he, he wasn't able to do it on his own or with the help of Russell Westbrook these past few years. Like, he, he hasn't been able to come up and, and get a chip on his own. I think putting him into the Golden State system really elevated his game and allowed him to oh, dominate in a way that of he course. wasn't able to before. And you have to factor that in with the, the overall package, like, would, would we be talking about KD in this way had he not gone to Golden State and did what he did this past year? Like, he needed Golden State. I mean, I mean we still would be talking about him. We would, but... We would. I mean, we, we would. And we did this past, last season when he really, him and the yeah. Oklahoma City Thunder gave Golden State a run for their money and almost stopped them exactly. from making it to the final. very well. You're right he about that. could have very well have been in the finals this year if the Golden State stayed packed stayed pat and stayed with their team. Who's to say that the Thunder wouldn't have beat them this year? I mean, they fell last year. Yeah. Suspect. I mean... You know, they gave them that 3-1 lead, but you never know. I mean, but OKC is more than two people. Like, they still needed a lot more, of I course. think, to get past the Warriors than of just course. Kevin Durant. They had holes in their lineup as well. Yeah, they definitely had holes in their lineup. So, honestly, it could have went either way. That's, I mean, I, you made a great point about him needing Golden State. I think he needed Golden State, I feel like, mentally. I feel like Draymond turned KD into a different player. I think he turned him into a more confident player. I completely agree. I completely agree. His confidence is off the charts. He's dominating in a way that... Yeah, he's dominating in a way that I've never seen before. Like, I honestly, as much as I've been a KD uh, fan over his career, and I love watching him play, there were so many moments where I felt like he choked or he just was not mentally locked in and believing in himself the way yeah. he did this year, which I think allowed him to come up clutch in those big moments, which is why everybody's talking about him in this way and putting him in this conversation of being the best ever. Because those moments, I mean, everybody was locked in watching that game. And you saw KD come up big, like big. Not missing Oh, he came up big time. Play. KD was big time. Yeah, like there's been so many times where I've seen close games when he was playing with Oklahoma City where... The last few seconds came down to some ISO ball and Katie misses the last shot on some fadeaway three. Like, that that didn't happen this year. KD came to play and he had ice in his veins. <laughs> and I think he got that confidence that from playing around players in Golden State who, who gave him that boost. Was there anybody you saw on that team this year trying to be like, yeah, Katie, I know you're here and everything, but we're still us and we still deserve the credit. Hell no. Everybody from Seth, the face of the team, Draymond, the voice of the team, to Kate, to, mm. to Clay and Andre, and everybody, you know, big enough KD, telling him to really, you know, enjoy this moment and and pushing him to come up big. Like I think he really needed that sort of atmosphere. Yeah, he definitely did. I think this is more of a brotherhood for him. I think right now he looks like he enjoys playing. You know what? I this is also, of course, like in the way LeBron James went to Miami. It's Similar and different. It's very different in my eyes because I feel like KD's was a lot different, but similar in the way that LeBron James was happy in Miami. KD is now happy, visibly happy, it looks like, in Golden State. So you can't fault him in there. So I got to give him a little love for that. But still, it was still weak as hell (laughs) to go to Golden State. But I'm going to leave it there. (laughs) So as we know, so your favorite player in the league, Christine Bean, is, of course, Chef Curry. My man, Seth. (laughs) So we... 
It's your man, Steph. So Steph, actually, I had to give him credit. He had an excellent finals, low key. He had an excellent finals. He averaged 26, eight and nine. Those are MVP caliber numbers, as we know the two-time MVP has. So, but of course he didn't win the finals MVP. This KD won it, as we all know. Yeah. But I have a question to ask you, dissecting Steph Curry's game. Matter of fact, let me start you off with this one. The question that I want to ask is if Steph Curry has fulfilled his maximum potential in Golden State. So before everyone jumps up and gets crazy at me because they hate when I talk about Steph Curry, I can't tell you. I get so much backlash every time I talk about Steph Curry. Your mentions start blowing <laughs> it's up, a huh? Lot. Boy, if you don't get- oh, blowing up all the time. So what I mean by that is, is there any areas that Steph Curry can improve on in his game? And I think there is. I think Steph Curry can become a better facilitator, top to bottom, and I think he can limit his turnovers. When I say mean a, a being a better facilitator, I think sometimes, of course, he takes a backseat to Draymond handling the offensive duties. A lot of times, Draymond is doing the offensive play calling. He's initiating the offense, and Steph, of course, has a lot of down screens, a lot of off-the-ball movement, and he turns basically into a two-guard, would you say. So I... I would like to see Steph more involved in high pick and roll actions with him being the facilitator as opposed to the finisher. Because he definitely can go to the rack as well. And I think also he has to limit his turnovers because Steph at times can get careless with the ball. Do you agree, Christine? He's definitely careless. Oh, I agree. You actually touched on one of my points of where I think Steph can get better. And there's Mm -hmm. there's no better of an example of you know, needing to take care of the ball than last year's NBA Finals when Steph did it, you know, threw of a course. careless behind-the-back pass that literally had me pulling my hair out at home, screaming at the TV, because I know <laughs> I know that Steph can be better than that. I, but, it, but to your point, that is definitely one of his goals. As a point guard and as a leader of this team, you, you can't be carelessly turning over the ball. And the nights that the Warriors have you know, 14 turnovers or, or more than 10, 10 turnovers, a majority of them usually come from Steph. He's either just oh yes. not locked a, in. A vast majority of them. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it bothers me that that's such a big part, like, you know, flaw in his team. You know, a lot of people like to talk about him not being a really good defender on, on that side of the court, but, you know, at one point he led the oh, that, see, steals. I, I was getting ready to get there. I'm glad you said defend. it's defender as well. Yeah, Steph's not a bad defender. Like, I want to put that to bed first because <laughs> Steph holds his weight. Like, how else could he leave the lead right if he's not chicken. defensively? Like, Steph does hold his own weight. Now, with that being said... But at times, at times, he does have a tendency to get cooked on occasion. Let's be clear, though, Christine. At times, at the top of the key, Kyrie, on an isolation play, he does tend to cook him. Steph could probably a couple times too. Let's not forget that either. Those two are just best ball handlers ever. So occasionally one has to cook the other. Kyrie definitely has that edge over Steph, but. but I say that I say that because we don't hold Kyrie in the same breath that we hold a Steph Curry. Steph Curry is a two-time MVP. Kyrie Irving is nowhere near an MVP. So that's why we hold Steph Curry to a higher higher standard as far as his defense. We oh, rather yeah. him to be a lockdown defender as well. That would up his game and up his potential. I feel like he can improve on that. I agree with you. I think I think though the system that Steph plays in right now doesn't 
the best defender on the team. That system likes to maximize abilities as a scorer and as an all-around Of course. So I think that that's why they, they use Clay on the other team's superstar because he is a better defender. Like, they, they really have a jack-of-all trades with having Clay there. So I think he picks up a lot of the load that Steph does because, honestly, he doesn't have to. They need Steph to be doing other things. If you want to talk about, you know, overall game and who Steph is and the legacy that he leaves, yeah, no one can really go out there and be like, yeah, one of the best defenders of all time, that guy, Steph Curry. Definitely not. But I, I, I don't think it's... Of course not. <laughs> I'm giving you too much material here. I'm, I'm a Steph Curry lover. Don't get me wrong. But I agree with the points that you oh, made. I know. For sure. Like, I'm not delusional. I think Steph brings so much to the game. And if he were to work on that, his turnovers, you know, he would be an even better player than he already is. Of course. And listen, that's all. Listen, I give Steph Curry credit. Chef Curry is a monster on the floor. Okay? You have to defend him as soon as he hits the half-goal line because he can pull up from 30. He can go to the rim and finish. So we're not hating on Steph Curry's game. I'm just saying he can't improve. And I just wonder sometimes if he would be the same Steph Curry on a roster where he was asked to facilitate a little bit more. Let's say he didn't have a Draymond Green on his roster and he wasn't allowed to play free safety as he does on offensive end, just catch and shoot as he normally does. Who want, Who knows if he will be able to defrost? But that's the same conundrum that we have with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving also gets a pass as well because he has a LeBron James on his team and he isn't asked to facilitate as much. So we can actually go either way on that. So we could say that. So Christine, your Golden State Warriors have an interesting summer ahead of them. They do. Interesting summer interesting free agency summer. I think they could have as many as 10 players destined for free agency this summer. The bench might have to be revamped. As we know, Steph is a free agent. KD is a free agent. Both opt-outs, of course. JaVale McGee is a free agent. Zaza. Eddie. Livingston. Clark. There's a lot of free agents on the Golden State Warriors roster. And some might be looking for some change this summer. So yeah. we're going to see how that goes. So do, how re, how revamped do you think the Golden State Warriors roster will be next? Um, I think it's going to be, I think that the owners, you know, they're going to do everything in their power to make the right moves. We've seen that from day one with the team that they've constructed. Um, even going into the season, like, I had my doubts about the bench because um, I really was a fan of last year's bench. But this year's bench really showed up. I mean... Livingston. They, did. they stepped up in the playoffs. They, they stepped up in the playoffs. Hell yeah, because like the 2016 um, Warriors team, they were known for their depth. They could literally go deep into their bench and still be able to sustain a lead without their superstars on the floor. A lot of people were worried about that going into this season, whether or not they'd find their way and get a good rotation that was strong enough to keep the game going. And they said, um, I definitely, you know, players we mentioned who could potentially leave, I, I definitely think the Warriors should do everything in their power to keep Sean Livingston. You know, he's a high basket, high IQ basketball player. I think he plays with a lot of heart. Um, he holds his weight when Curry's not on the floor. When is that is that your priority number one? Other than Steph Curry and Durant, of course. We're going to oh, leave those two yeah, aside because no, we I'm already know they're coming back. Um, yeah, obviously. Yeah. So Livingston is your number one priority. For me, 
I would say he's like tied yeah. with um, Andre Iguodala as as okay. top priority to keep. Okay. Um, just going back to Sean, you know, his pull up jumper is automatic on site. Like, oh, it is. It is. He's it such is. an no, asset. What is he? Six seven. Like, he's at the floor over you. He's a tough guy. You need that man on your team. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, off the bench, he's one of the best six-man reserves in the league. He controls that offense when he comes off the bench, so he is uh, definitely an important asset to have on any championship team. Oh, But, uh-huh. you, I, Christina, I, I don't know if you've been hearing, I don't know if you've been hearing the grumblings, but my man Iggy, Andre Iguodala, the word is on the market, there's a couple teams after him. I it's looking like they're trying to throw morning. out 20 mil they're trying to throw at Iggy. 20 mil, that's big-time dollars for Iggy. It's definitely a big deal. I mean, Andre Iguodala. Money talks. Money, money does talk, and you know you can't pay everybody. So <laughs> I understand that. Okay. Um, you okay. know he really came up big in the 2016 NBA Finals. Man won an MVP. He's been a consistent. Sure did. He's been so consistent for the Warriors, coming off the bench and really giving the team the spark that they need. He's one of the only people on the team who can really keep up with LeBron. He can lock down the opposing best score. Like, he does it all. He has clutch shots. I think also his presence in the locker room and just on the team as a vet is something. It's just one of those oh, yeah. intangibles that you just you can't replace. Um, okay, so, well, well let's, let's, let's hope championship is on his mind rather than Dallas. I mean, he's 33. Like, honestly, the championship should be on his mind. That's why this contract is his... That's why this contract is important, though, because this might be his last big payday. Somebody might throw. Think about it. And a mediocre team, an average team that wants a veteran presence or another team that needs that last championship piece that Andre Iguodala brings. They could throw 20 mil at him. That's nothing to sneeze at because on the Warriors, he's not getting about 20 mil. And he's going to have to take a pay cut Everybody, well. everybody got to yeah, so, You got to think about your, your life. I get that. But we exactly. all know, like... Maybe not. We all know. Maybe just the Warriors fans know. This is this is where it's getting real good. Franchise and who would? That's the fan in you. That's the fan you in you. It's the fan in me. But ask any other. Like, come on. You, you just want to be a okay. part of what they're no, doing right. right now. Like. Of course. This listen. That's being part of a legacy. Part of a dynasty in the making, right there. That is something special. It's, that's something, it's special. something very special. But I agree with the points that you made. Like, money, money definitely yeah. talks. I'm gonna be. I'm really gonna be keeping a close eye on Iggy. Um, this mm-hmm. summer, just to see what he does, because that to me would actually be a really big deal if Andre doesn't oh, resign with the Warriors. That would be big time. So, as a Warriors fan, you keeping uh, Javale McGee? Yes. Yes or no? Yes, I think he's. <laughs> okay, JaVale. you keeping Javale? Okay. I would keep Javale. And this is one what of the most exciting people okay. to watch this season. They, <laughs> I feel like the Warriors can like. This, this might be but they really know how to play to people's strengths I mean you gotta credit Keith and the coaching staff and just their ability oh, yes. to oh, yes. see something JaVale was allowed to relax he was allowed yeah. to relax and have fun and just you know he had people around him he was allowed to him, play his strength mm-hmm. you know making you know pushing him to make the right call for you know like to use his size physicality to dominate in a way that you know he comes off the bench and it's quick quick offense for the Warriors he gives them a boost of energy and I love the fact that um, you know both Steve Kerr and Mike Brown defaulted to him a lot this year to give quick energy off the bench um, 
I thought Listen, that was he's great. an upgrade over Zaza. He's an upgrade over Zaza. Oh I my mean, god. Zaza to me is atrocious. Zaza, Zaza. he has to go. I couldn't dirty agree ass. More. Zaza's a dirty ass. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you're getting at. I'm not even gonna get into that part of the game, but Zaza dirty gotta go. Zaza. I Zaza gotta go. <laughs> call me crazy, but you know, I think sports fans out there who are conspiracy theorists and just super fans like me can appreciate my enthusiasm. But I, I think that Zaza needs to go because I think he brings bad juju to the Warriors. Like, I really don't yes, think does. they need him next season. Like, he's like... Not at all. The poor man, Andrew Bogut, I think. And even Bogut, I thought, <laughs> should have gone. I mean, I don't know. I, I just don't see him being an asset to the Warriors yeah, next year. No, you make it up. Oh no, not a listen, Zaza. They gotta let Zaza go. He, I, I agree with you there. I think he did bring a little bit of a bad injury. Remember, he had a couple of bonehead plays, a couple of questionable plays. So, Zaza could definitely go. I'm my my thing is that I just hope. Uh, I remember a quote from uh, the great Pat Riley that I heard years ago. It was after, I think it was either the Lakers championship or the Heat championship, if I'm not mistaken. He said after the championship, a lot of teams, a lot of players have to deal with the disease of me. He always says that after they win a chip, players get a little bit big-headed, you know? These role players start to say, I'm a champion now. Mm-hmm. I might deserve a few more dollars on the open market. So you never know. A player like an Ian Clark, he might look elsewhere to get a few extra dollars. Livingston as well, you never know. Listen, people might throw money at JaVale McGee because he played his role well. So you never know. JaVale McGee's a champion now. So sometimes he might... You know, have to have that disease of me, as Pat Riley said. A lot of things turn into I, I. But, of course, the Warriors are one of the top organizations of the league. So they do have a nice culture there that it definitely offsets that, I would say. And I would give them the benefit of doubt on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think the culture they've created is going to be what really pushes a lot of people to stay. Not to mention the sweet feeling of winning. Um, I think a lot of these players, like, you know, need to be smart. I think someone like Javon McGee really fits well into a system like this. I think it, he's better off staying here at least for another season. Um, and this, and the same with Sean. I mean, just the story that he's had career over the NBA. I think he's really hit a sweet spot here, and I love oh, yeah. seeing him flourish on the Warriors. You know, bouncing around so many different teams. Like I think he's found a home here, and I think at this point in his career, it's a smart move for him to stay. Same with Ian Clark. I think as much as he's proven himself to be like Sean, you know, a good backup for Seth and someone who creates offense, I think that he needs at least uh, just just a little more time, a little more time before I think he can impact the team the way that he might think that he can or, you know. Okay. Okay. Good points. All good points there. All good points there. So, listen, let's hope for uh, a nice, interesting offseason for you and let's hope you Hope the Warriors stick with the players that you want, Christine. Let's hope. Let's hope. I know you rooting for the Warriors, and I'm not. <laughs> we know you are. <laughs> so, so as we know, the above the rim listeners, we like to get a little progressive on our show. So, of course, so like I said before, we have our first female guest, the wonderful Christine Beam. You know. So, what I thought about when I thought about having her on, I thought about Becky Hammond. And how she has been a groundbreaking in today's NBA and how she's the first female assistant coach of the San Antonio Spurs. So I feel like the NBA is in a, a really good state right now. And I feel like they can be more 
aggressive, not up the ante. And I think it's about time for a female hood coach. But there are pros and cons, of course, to having a female coach as far as players, I may say. There might be a little bit of drawbacks. There might be a little pushback. So I wanted to ask you, Christine, so how do you feel about having a female head coach in the NBA? You think it's about that time? I think it is about that time. Um, I think okay. it, I think it will be something really great for the NBA. I mean, that would it would just Amazing. be volume. I mean, you, you brought up Becky um, Becky Hammond. She's more than proven herself to be capable, and I think the organization that she's in with the Spurs they support her. Greg Popovich supports her. The NBA commissioner Adam Silver came out in support of having a. A, a female NBA coach, so I think that it is a good time. Big support, yeah. Yeah, will it will it happen? Um, yeah. I mean, at some point, Greg Popovich has to step down. I think it would be really cool for him to hand the team over to her and, and really make a statement. That that organization is not shy. Well, that will be statements. monumental. Hell yeah! That would yeah, be- I, exactly. And you. And, you know, if there's any organization in NBA to do a monumental thing like that, it's definitely the Spurs. And they already took the first steps as having the first female assistant coach. So, I mean, hey, and also she was the first summer league coach as well. Yep. She also led the Spurs to uh, the Vegas summer league title, if I'm not mistaken. So let's not act like she doesn't have the credentials here. She's big time with her X's and O's, as we know, Becky Hammond for the New York Liberty. I mean, also, um, I think... Uh, the Sacramento Kings as well. Nancy they have an Lieberman? assistant coach. I think it's uh, Nancy Lieberman. Yeah. There you go. Nancy Lieberman. Big time as well. I think, what about a, a Dawn Staley, maybe, or a Tamika Cashings? How about that? I would like to see a Lisa Leslie oh, on yeah. the sidelines. <laughs> I think that would be cool. Those are all the examples I was going to bring up. This is why I think are phenomenal. Who've proven themselves to be really great players, and even more so now that they've stepped on the other side of the court into the coaching mindset and understanding the game from that way, I think they can bring so much to an organization. Um, but, you know, to be honest, this in the same way that there is misogyny and pushback in politics, I think that there's definitely an element of that in sports and with basketball. I don't know how that kind of transition would be well-received by the players um, and by, you know, certain fans of the game. That's something that I think, well, you know, when it happens, because I just
um, you bring up a good point because that's actually one of the areas where I thought there would be the most kind of, you know, awkwardness and, you know, needing to adjust. Yeah. I think personally, at the end of the day, we're all humans. Like, I think you should be mature and comfortable enough to be okay with a woman speaking to you in that way. But at the same time, I'm not a man. I don't I don't know the culture of a man's locker room. <laughs> and just, you know, I, I'm yeah. sure there are little things that, um, you know, just, are different when you're I mean, there are things that men. happen in a locker room. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm sure, I, yeah. There, there definitely are differences. There are yeah. differences. It's definitely, it's more, of a, it's more of a comfortability factor, I would say. We're more comfortable with that because, you know, that's the norm, of course. Of course. And we do, you know, men say things in the locker room that they don't always necessarily want to get out or they don't maybe don't want to seem controversial or a misogynist when they're necessarily not wanting to feel that way. So I think that may that may be the biggest adjustment I feel like that would be. And I think that might be the same thing as if an openly gay player was in the locker room. I feel like it would be the same kind of adjustments in that way. Yeah. I feel like, not, not to uh, compare the two, but I feel like it would be the same type of adjustments. I mean, this is a big step, but I feel like it's a step that can be taken nonetheless. I, I agree with you. I think it's a huge step that can be taken and will be taken and should be taken for the simple fact that we're, you know, the world is becoming a lot more progressive. I mean, in some ways things are a little bit backwards, but for the most part, things are becoming a lot more progressive. I think the NBA is a progressive league. And I think that this would of be course. such a great opportunity to bridge the gap and give a woman a role that should, that should be hers based on talent and her on her gender. And that's also, I'm also gonna give the players the benefit of the doubt here as well. And, you know, mm-hmm. speak to their maturity mm-hmm. because it's not like they don't have um, you know, female uh, trainers and athletic Exa- directors. Oh, exactly. and, you know, Great staff point. That interact with them on a day to day, whether Great they're first or off or not. You know, there are people who, yep. there are really strong, passionate women who are passionate about basketball and the organizations that they work for, regardless of what position you put them in, will continue a level of professionalism and treat these men with respect. The same from them in an atmosphere to win. At the end of the day, I think that's what it's about. And I think it will be a really good teaching and learning moment for many guys who aren't comfortable with that to get comfortable with it because women aren't going anywhere. We're going to continue to enter male-dominated spaces and make a statement. And that's just something that people need to wrap their head around and get ready for. Talk about it! I dropped the mic on that one. Talk about it, that's what I'm talking about. See, they all were just as passionate as you are. Look how we just hit the passion in your voice. That's what I'm talking about right there. So I definitely think it's going to happen. And it will happen. And women have been making more strides lately in sports. Of course, in sports talk, we got Carrie Champion, Molly oh, yeah. Karam, Rosalind. We got, we got, listen, there's a lot of progression. So it's definitely going to happen. And it definitely should happen. I would love to see Becky Hammond as the first Spurs head coach. That would be big time. Big, that would be big time. So I hope the NBA definitely goes for that. And we've so done on a lighter note, though. Or playoff appearance. Like, come on. Oh, yeah. Oof. Oof. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. So, as you know, in the finals, also, there was another controversy surrounding women in the other way. A lot of people blamed Chloe for Tristan's terrible finals. <laughs> they call it the Chloe curse that Tristan had, even though Tristan was nowhere to be found. <laughs> I had a lot of heat for Tristan Thompson. A lot of heat. Your boy so Tristan you Thompson was on the I back sp- of a milk carton. It was, he was nowhere to be found, Yo, bro. The whole finals. 
the whole fight. Except for game four, I gave him. He came up in game four, he played decent in game five. But listen, Tristan Thompson, it was a milk carton for you. So do you think spouses play a role in the athlete's on-court performance? I, I do, actually. I think, and I think it goes okay. more than just spouses. I think it's family. I think it's, it's all of that for okay. many reasons. Just starting mm. with Tristan Thompson, okay. um, I think that he obviously showed up a little bit more in game four. Maybe it could have been that Chloe was there. Maybe he wanted to, you know, show up a little bit more. <laughs> he was hyped that night. He was hyped that night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was hyped. Maybe maybe the Kardashian curse didn't get him that night. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> um, I, I, but with, with Tristan Thompson in particular, he really wasn't a factor this year in the playoffs. And I think, you know, there was a lot of things that he did that I think could have been corrected with putting in more effort over the regular season. But back to my original point, I think spouses do play a role in an athlete's on-court performance. Um, going back to last year uh, with Steph and Aisha, mm-hmm. granted Steph was playing with an injury. He was battling that. But combine that with the mounting pressure to repeat his title, and then you're dealing, you're, you're underperforming, and then your wife comes out and says that the league is rigged yeah. into the face of the league. Boy, if you she like, was doing way too much. You know I love, yo. I mean, you know I love me success and I love the Currys, <laughs> but like that was pretty wild. That was. That was some wild stuff. That, I mean, way so, too much. Way too much. <laughs> that was that was pretty wild. That was a bold thing to say. So I think I definitely affected Steph's mindset, like. No matter how PC his answers might have been, you know, post game about staying locked in and you know all the canned responses that these guys give in the media, I, I think it definitely affected him. Yeah. And even like I said, even more than just spouses, with family. Look at everything that Isaiah Thomas went through this year, exactly. losing his sister. Yeah. You can't you can't tell me that it affects his on court performance for the better and for the worse. Yep. I mean, he came out and had some crazy games. So, oh, he did. You know everything that. Yeah, everything going on in your personal life in, in one way or another is going to affect you on the court. Okay. I 100% agree with you there. 100%. I think they do aff- affect them. I think, but on court performance, I feel like they can kind of block out their spouses a little bit when it's, when they, when the ball gets jumped up and it's down to, especially playoff time. I mean, I'm not giving Tristan Thompson a pass. That's what I'm really getting at here. I feel like spouses do play a role, of course, but I'm not giving Tristan a pass because he still should have showed up in this finals. But I he think all the noise is getting you, you up that. Yeah, yeah. It, it was an APB out for him. Back of a milk carton. Tuscan. Somebody going to find Tristan. He was on the back of one of them cartons. Come on, man. Tristan. So, Christine Bean. Now it's time for the most dangerous segment in podcasting, the crossover segment. Not a game, not a game, not Ooh. a game. Oh. We're talking about practice. <laughs> you got me a little nervous here. <laughs> you, you throw out some crazy, crazy picks. Like, I was listening to episode 19 and 18. I was like, man, I'm so glad you didn't ask me that. But I'm, you're probably about to set me up for something right now. I'm going to so set you up for something right here. I got a nice one for you this week. So for those of you who don't, don't know, New Above the Rim listeners, I'll be throwing out player comparisons. I, my guests acts as a GM, and they tell me who they would take out of the two in their prime. So this week, Christine, will you take an in their prime, a prime mellow Carmelo Anthony, or a prime Paul Pierce? The truth. Let me give you the career stats. Carmelo Anthony, 24 games. 
six rebounds, three assists, one steal, 45% from the floor, 10-time All-Star, one-time scoring champ, the truth. 19 a game, five rebounds, three assists, one steal, 44% from the floor, one-time champ, a finals MVP, also a 10-time All-Star. Christine, who you got? You got Mellow or the truth? Oh, okay. Everybody from New York, please don't hate me for saying this. <laughs> but I'm going to have to pick the truth. I'm going to have to take Paul Pierce. Talk about it. You're picking the truth. Okay, tell me why. <laughs> I, um, although his shooting percentage might be just a percentage short than, shorter than Mellow's, I think as a GM, thinking bigger picture-wise, mm-hmm. um, you know, Paul Pierce is somebody that you could really fit into a franchise and make things happen. Unfortunately, Melo hasn't proven that to me. Uh-oh. And he That's seems so to be more, he seems to be more somebody that you have to <laughs> work around but rather than have them work for you. If I'm thinking as, as from a GM perspective, okay. um, I'm going to have to go with the truth. Wow. Okay. Interesting choice. Listen, I'm going to disagree with you here. I'm disagreeing with you. I'm going mellow all day, every day. I'm going mellow. Listen, oh, Pri- damn. Primello was an unstoppable score machine. He could get you on the low block. He could get you on the high post. He could get you with the three. I mean, the only thing he, of course, needed to be better was facilitating, of course. But that wasn't his role. He's a lethal offensive weapon. Melo could get you buckets. Melo can still get you buckets right now. But there's no fault in you picking Paul Pierce the truth. If you're picking better leader, I definitely agree with you there. I will go with the truth. But as far as talent-wise, my man Melo was a force. I, I, I still think Melo got bad luck. I mean, he messed up coming to the Knicks. That was a fail for him. That was yeah, his fault. I feel like that changed it for me. Because you're right, he is a great Pure yeah. It messed up his reputation. It killed mean, his reputation. Yeah, it, it really did. It was part his reputation and just all the issues that he's had in New York. I think doesn't make him move to another team who may want to acquire him. Oh, not, not at all. Seriously, the mellow. I think right now. So, do you think there's any truth to the uh, mellow rumors? Mellow in uh, Cleveland or mellow to LAC? My clips. I can see Melo going to. I can see him probably going to the Clips over I could. Okay. And go to the Cavs. Although a lot of people think that's going to be the trajectory. I don't think that Melo and LeBron can play in the same system together. Um, I mean, I feel like they can because of LeBron James, because of the greatness that is LeBron James. I think he would calm Melo down and he would have more of the role that a Kevin Durant has on Golden State just to be your main offensive threat. I just need you out there to get me buckets. I'll take you at rest. Let's not even compare those two because oh. I don't think Melo can play the way that, that KD no. can. And I don't think I'm he would have championship. That's a little, I don't know. That's so that's no, no. Listen, listen, listen. I, Offensively? You you're going to put Melo on a team and they're all of a sudden going to be uh, playoff contenders and and yes. fight for a chip? I don't think so. Listen, get get the Knicks mellow out of your brain. The last couple seasons of the Knicks mellow. Mellow playing with proper talent under the right system under an elite point guard a la Chris Paul with him not not having the onus on him to facilitate. Chris Paul is going to get him those easy buckets. Mellow basically has to post up low block, shoot open threes, yeah. and then get me buckets yeah. when it's crunch time. 
That's all we need from Melo. And that's what he does best in my mind. So he doesn't have to be a leader. Take him out of that leadership role and Melo flourishes. Because Melo still gets you buckets. He still gets you 20 to 30 every night. Easily. Easily. Well, then, if that's the case, then I definitely stand by my my assertion that he should go to the Clippers rather okay. than the Cavs. Yeah, yeah. The Clippers I think Clippers that. are better fit. Either way, Clippers are a better fit to me. Better way better fit. fit for him. Better fit, better fit. So, shouts out to you picking the truth, though. I got love for the truth, so I can't hate on you there, because I got love for the truth. Definitely. Definitely. So, uh, great choices on the uh, crossover segment right there. So, Christine, I know you on After Buzz TV. You also do a uh, NBA show on there as well. Tell the people about the shows you do on After Buzz. Yeah, guys. Um, I'm, a, I'm a host at After Buzz TV. I host a bunch of different shows right now. Um, I'm hosting a show for The Bachelorette on ABC okay. on Mondays at 9 at nine p.m. Pacific. I know we may not have any Bachelorette fans on this podcast, but maybe there are. Um, and it's, it's been a dope experience, especially because this season's Bachelorette is the first woman of color Bachelorette lead on ABC, which is a big, big deal. Big uh, lots of really cool, interesting characters competing for her heart this year. So... Lots of fun doing that. And uh, I also host an NBA playoff show for AfterBuzz TV. Um, we just wrapped up covering the finals. And I'll be hosting our NBA awards show recap on June 26th. So be sure to tune in. We'll we'll see if, you know, Russ gets that award or maybe the league gives it to Harden. We'll see. I mean, my pick for MVP was Harden. But I won't be mad if Russ wins it. I won't be mad at all. I won't be mad at all. But you know everybody's going to check out that After Buzz TV award show. That's the uh, that's the next NBA show that you're going to be doing, the award show? That's the next uh, NBA award show that we're doing. Uh, we, okay. we may do a show covering uh, the draft and um, just everything going on with the free agents this summer. So pretty mm-hmm. will come out about that on the After Buzz TV account. You can follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter, both at After Buzz TV, for more updates on that. So... All the good basketball content you love. Of course. We'll be having it. I, I got to crack a quick, quick joke, though, because I'm not going to lie. I told you before, off air, that I checked out one of those episodes of ba- of The Bachelorette. And I'm not going to lie. That shit is comedy. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> there is hella it is, comedy it on is. that show. <laughs> uh, I don't know I mean, how you do it. I mean, as far as reality TV goes, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it's, it's something else. I, I will say I was not really involved with the franchise until my sister was a part of it and she put me on and it's it's just great it's it's in the funniest weirdest way listen that show is i couldn't believe that one but my gripe is two hours though abc two hours though the bachelor could cut that down to an hour two hours that's that's not a bit much i mean yeah you you get at least you know 12 times of different people saying I'm really nervous going in tonight, you know. Yeah. I wonder if I got another time with Rachel this week. I really hope I get a role, <laughs> you know. Or this person might be here for the wrong reasons. Oh, I wonder if they got to see. It's oh, just, it's so repetitive. I mean... <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's, what are you gonna do? It's pure comedy. That one episode that I did check out, because I checked it out for you. Not gonna lie. And it was hilarious. Oh, I appreciate you, Jess. Yeah, of course, of course. But I'm not gonna lie. That shit was hilarious. But uh, my man Demario, whatever his name is, uh, the one who's playing basketball, that was comedy. So I said, oh, this is this is some drama going on in this show here. I'm not gonna lie. So, <laughs> so 
So big. Oh yeah, and yeah. Mario still still missing headlines. If you if any Bachelor Nation fans are out there, you guys know what's going on with Bachelor in Paradise and Mario and Corinne. So a lot of lots of crazy things happening in the franchise. Definitely something to check out, and you, know, you can catch a girl. Talking about it on Mondays at 9. Of course. So it's so on Mondays at 9 on, on Afterbus, right? Tell the people where to find it. And to find you as yeah. well. And that's uh, Mondays at 9 p.m. Pacific. So if you're on the East Coast, I know it'll be a late watch for you, but our podcast uh, goes up directly right after. So you can watch whenever you want. Um, you can find it on AfterbuzzTV.com. Also, you can download uh, our podcast on iTunes and listen to us there and on YouTube so many different ways to listen and engage many different ways so where can they find you on Twitter Christine you can find me on Twitter at Christine Dean with three E's three E's Three E's. That's about to be my tagline, yo. Yo, that needs to be. That's that's a tough tagline. Christine with three E's. That's what I'm talking about. With three E's. Hey. Oh, Christine. I gotta find out, uh-huh. you know, what mm-hmm. those E's stand for. I gotta make it a little cooler. Listen. We can work on that one. We need a caption with those three E's. I need a caption there or something. Let them know. Let the people know. <laughs> so, Christine, I do appreciate you coming on Above the Rim. I appreciate you being my first female guest. This is big time. And once again, I thank you for joining me on Above the Rim this week. I appreciate talking hopes with you, Christine. They're wonderful. Thank you. They're wonderful. Thank you, thank you so much. It's been so cool talking about it. You having me as your first female guest. That's huge. I'm a big fan of your podcast, so I, I know, or at least I hope, this won't be the last time that I'm on here. Of I love course. talking hoops with you guys. Of course. And, not. you know, I got. I got Twitter fingers, so come at me, all right? <laughs> we just talk about the Golden State Warriors on Twitter. I- I'm game. Make sure Do y'all it. make sure y'all spam her mentions in there. Make sure y'all spam her mentions. Golden State Warrior <laughs> lover over here. <laughs> the lover over here. So once again, I appreciate you coming on above the rim. Nothing but love and respect for you. Appreciate you one more time. And that uh, and that is above the rim episode 20, and we out. <laughs>